Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast, later than advertised, because somebody on the team went to Cavan. We might find out more about that later on, and no, Tony Keane is not on the show. Hi, I'm Emma Kennedy, alongside Ortiz, Jane Mangan. Hello. And at the races and Sky Sports Racing pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. How was Cavan, Kevin? I survived. Yeah. <laughs> if you tweeted that you were going there beforehand, I'm not so sure you would have. Uh, let's take a look back at the weekend. <laughs> well, hold on. I did. I did take a picture of one of the welcome to Cavan signs, and I was going to tweet, "Wish me luck," but I said, "Geez, I really don't want to draw attention to the fact that I'm here. That probably won't help." <laughs> yeah, it, it really wouldn't have. It wouldn't have. But, um, but lovely place. Lovely place. Yeah. Great time. <laughs> oh, now it's a lovely place. Yeah, yeah. Um, Altior has not been to Cavan, but he has been to it's Ascot. A, it's, a lo- it's a lovely place. To, it's a lovely place. The people are the problem. <laughs> And now it's time to announce that the uh, Cheltenham Festival preview for the Final Forum podcast with Jane will be taking place in Cavan. Uh, Poor old Kev won't be allowed there. So a seven-length win for Altior in what was essentially a day out for him. Um, Lovely story along with this for uh, a lovely person called Debbie Matthews who has spoken openly about her mental health issues and how Altior has been a great help to her. And as we record this, she's been to see him at uh, Seven Brandies today. So congratulations. I hope there was lots of brandy and I hope you had a great day. And well done to Debbie for sharing her story so well and to Stuart Riley for writing about it in the RP. Um, Seven-length victory over Fox Norton. Jane, this was pretty much as you expected. Is he a horse that you can find any chink in an armor? I know Nicky was defending his jumping afterwards. Mm, no, there's no chink in his armor. He is the most solid horse heading into Cheltenham. He has to massively underperform on the day to get beaten by anything we've seen. Um, and it's a, you know, when we saw Sprinter Sakura and the way he used to run and he was so flamboyant and just majestic, we kind of took for granted how good Altier was until I certainly did. I took for granted how good Altier was until this year. Um, but nothing can get near him. And I thought when Undeso met him in the Tingle Creek on soft, soft-ish ground, uh, that there was a chance he would get pressured. There has been no horse give him a scare. And I love going back, uh, you know, with these really good horses, going back to their younger days. And um, I, Kate Harrington won't appreciate me saying this, but... I remember the Punchestown bumper when he ran and this horse came over with no big lofty reputation. He went off 14 or 20 to 1, something. Kate rode him and uh, 
when you look back at the quality of race it was now, Bells Hill, Gold Cup contender won it. Disco, very talented, ill-fated horse, second. You had Charbel, Super Sunday. Uh, Modus. Modus, Bay of Freedom, like all really good horses. And the, this this horse is... Um, He's only garnering the the reputation that he has built, f- like flawless over jumps, not o- not over fences, but over jumps. He's never been beaten, and for me, the Clarence House was literally just a formality. He's passed with flying colours, and I think he's one to sit back and enjoy. And you're saying that Kate shouldn't be allowed next nor near him ever again because how could you, a- how could you get beaten on Altior on in a flat race by High Chaparral? Come on, Kate. Yeah, Barry Gary uh, was beating on him as well. Yeah, beyond behind Barch yeah, Hill. Yeah, he was, yeah. But when you think back to like some bumpers, um, when you think uh, OK Corral, everybody's talking about OK Corral now for the four miler. And I remember him coming over for uh, Punchestown as well. And Nina rode him. I don't think people expected him to get beaten. Uh, the, this himself and York Hill pulled clear of up for review. I think they pulled like 20 lengths clear. But on the day, I think Nicky Henderson was disgusted. He got beaten. <laughs> Uh, it just happened to turn out that York Hill was a bit of a freak yeah. and he's now only novice chasing. He's obviously after going awry since, but uh, Jesus, some of those bumpers, they're, they're uh, little championship races in themselves. That Cheltenham bumper where Pizarro, oh, sick, uh, beat Rhinestone Cowboy with Iris's gift back in front, all behind. What a bumper that was. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. Um, no chinks in the armor, so for Jane, Kev? You like an old pick. Is there a chance that he'll do a Duvan on it? Um, uh, look, he's very difficult to, to pick a hole out of this stage. If, if you wanted to you know, go on about his, his jumping left, you could, but um, it, it wouldn't be something that would concern me, to be honest. Um, it's not the first time he's done it. He's hinted at it before, but um, for me, largely it's a function of him being in front. Like I look back at, at an awful lot of his races today and you can see him doing this on occasion, but it's generally when he's in front. He's not a front runner. Um, and ideally he's delivered to the front as late as possible because when, when he's in front, whether it's a, con- a concentration thing or what, I'm not sure, but he just seems to have some trouble organizing himself at fences when he's in front and there was some very interesting um slow motion video analysis put up by a tweeter there called um at race horses race one where he slowed down the footage of of altior approaching quite a few of his fences generally when he's in front and um he, he basically he goes into that Altior is basically left, left-handed left and that he, he prefers to jump off his left lead. And if he's on his right lead coming down to a fence, he just takes a little, a little while to reorganize himself and tends to run down the fences to his left to get himself organized. It's, it's interesting stuff. It's not something you see a lot of. Um, and, and it's fun to look at it that closely. Um, but it's not something that would stress me going forward because... Um, <clears throat> generally as has been the case in the vast majority of his career um, in those two mile chases you'll get something to give you a lead um, and in the likes of the Queen Mother Champion Chase you'll more often than not find something that will give you a lead at a championship pace and that's what he wants he can sit behind it he, uh, he's a fabulous jumper of a fence and it's it's very difficult to find a hole like Jane says he, he really 
you know, for well, certainly in my mind, he he got rid of the last of the doubters in the Queen Mother last year. I thought that was a fabulous performance, and he's been brilliant since. So, yeah, very very difficult to go poking at him now in between here and Cheltenham. I think eighteen wins on the trot now, essentially. Well, seventeen wins on the spin, eighteen in total. Uh, two defeats as a bumper horse. He's just sublime, and he's a long odds-on favourite for the champion chase. We'll see footpath. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very rare thing, Kenner. It's like you, you go back through history and find how many um, top-class jumps horses can rattle off 18 wins in a row. Doesn't happen. It's a very, very rare thing. Even Exceptionally rare. Even Istabrak would take a tumble. Moscow Flyer would take a tumble. Um, I should have star, you know. Jeez, they, yeah. all those brilliant, brilliant horses. Best mate got beaten a in a King George, you know. Like it, it, it happened to they them. Can find a way to get beat. They have off days, but jeez, this fella, this fella's never had an off day, has he? <laughs> he just hasn't. Speaking of off days, Footpad obviously did, and he said two. We'll see him in the Dublin Racing Festival. Is there any world in where you can see him developing into a threat, or is this now a case of? As Jane was saying, Altior is the one horse at Cheltenham that you can look at and say, well, he's bomb-proof. Yeah, I could, I could see Footpad potentially advancing his claims, but, geez, it's a bit of a leap required now to get up to Altior's level. Mm-hmm. And bearing in mind just how, how brilliant he was in, in that race last year, you know, that course of distance clearly shows him off to brilliant effects. So it's difficult to see it now. And in, in a season that's just been weird and stop-start and non-start in, in many places... He will go into the festival as perhaps the only real true banker on paper, at least. Absolute superstar of a horse and a horse to be very much looking forward to seeing on Champion Chase Day at Cheltenham. Uh, the new one, Unibet Hurdle, won the race four years in a row. This is the only time he hadn't run it for the last four years. Global Citizen ends up winning at Haydock with Silver Streak. Fairly well held in the end, back in third, and the now disappointing Western rider uh, back in third, Moyed and Pingshu, were way off as well. Jane, this doesn't really have an effect, though, on the champion hurdle market. Global Citizen is still widely available at 33 to 1. Yeah, look, um, all credit to the new one. Um, when he was winning this race, it wasn't a champion hurdle trial. So it wasn't a champion hurdle trial last Saturday either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Look, it's a grade two and fair play to the winner. Uh, he... Look, I, I just I couldn't have any of them. They're 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 good yardsticks. They're probably solid grade two, grade three horses, and he could only do what he did. Um, but Haydock, it was particularly tight. They were on the inside of it uh, at the weekend and off the home bend. You could you could nip two or three lengths off the home bend, and that's exactly what he did. So um, he was well behind Verdana Blue and Bouvadere Kempton, and I would suspect he'll be the same come March. Yeah, best he can hope for his third, really, Kev, isn't it? Um, look, Global Citizen is a good horse. Um, I think he's a speed horse. Um, of course, in distance like this, shows him the good effect. He, he, we, I don't think we saw the best of him at Kempton. Um, in fairness to him, but the, it was. I thought it was interesting. They, um, David Bass, set out to ride him a little bit differently here. They tried to drop him in, um, in a bid to get him to settle because he, he has always been a very, very free goer. Um, but. It just didn't work. It didn't work. Nothing really wanted to go on at a gallop, and he jumped his way back to, back into back into the lead after the third, I think it was. And um, the key moment in this race for me was three out because Silver Streak, to be fair to him, was closing, 
and was starting to build a bit of momentum and he made an absolute mess of the third last and from there it was game over but Silver Streak to be fair to him has galloped all the way to the line he's a horse that has found some improvement this year I'd agree with Jane Global Citizen wouldn't really be on my mind for the champion hurdle just because I don't think that course and distance would play to his strengths and the likelihood of getting a, a soft sit in front uh, are, are pretty, are, well, wouldn't be unheard of. It, it has happened, uh, namely with Faheen in recent years, but it seems unlikely. But I'll tell you what, Silver Streak is 50s for the champion hurdle. He'd probably be a similar sort of price come the time. It wouldn't be a shock to me now if he if he's one that could sneak into the frame in a, in a, in a champion hurdle that lacks depth. And I think he's a horse that gets two miles really well. Um, if they went a pace in front of him, it, it would very much help him. And it just wouldn't be a shock to me if he could advance his form another few pounds forward in the likes of a champion hurdle and um, and maybe just sneak into the frame. So I wouldn't be super dismissive of him um, but uh, for a champion hurdle just in terms of you know an each-way alternative to a short price fav. But um, Global Citizen, not so much. He'd be more one for Aintree, I suspect. Mm. When you look at the field, there's an awful lot of horses who aren't going to run. In the current, or sorry, I, sorry, I, miss, I, I misspoke. Um, Global Citizen for Punchestown rather than um, Aintree. Yeah, no, that, that's uh, sorry. I actually was picking that up, but I think that's because I'm just able to read your mind these days. Um, but like Bouvedere is obviously short enough, but probably bigger than we would have expected due to his defeat for Dana Blue. It's just an interesting market. Something at a big price can definitely place there, um, but I'd be. With both of you, we can delete that race and move on. But well done for the new <laughs> one. can't delete it. He's delete going to finish third in the champion hurdle uh, we'll, and a million to one we'll click, and make everyone loads of money. We'll click delete there <laughs> and we'll move on. Mr. Fisher, uh, so we didn't see Angel's Breath over the weekend, which was a bit odd because Angel's Breath was entered for Haydock and Ascot and didn't take up either engagement. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with the Supreme Novice Hurdle favourite, still only the one run. But Mr. Fisher did run in the Skybet Supreme trial. Uh, what did you make of his performance, Jane? Uh, this this horse is one on my radar for a while. And I think Nicky Henderson is probably having to play juggling uh, master with these. A bit like what Willie Mullins usually a problem he usually has. Uh, Nicky Henderson has some savage talent in the novice hurdling division and this horse is no back number he actually was on my radar because Nicky Henderson paid 90,000 for the Scorpion now four year old last year three year old store at the Derby sale mm. um, and bought it for the owners of this horse so obviously he was he was after disappointing the entry bumper but had won his bumper in Kempton um pretty well and obviously they had really really fancied him so I said when they paid 90 grand for the brother I said we'll follow this horse this year so sure enough uh, he was good in Kempton and I thought he was good last week without being uh, tremendously impressive Um, he would do with uh, just becoming a little bit more uh, professional at his hurdles he likes to go in and bunny hop and he he won't get away with that at Cheltenham but I'm sure Nicky Henderson will will iron out a few things Um, this wasn't a bad this wasn't a bad little race there was um, there was a bit of depth to it and I like I like the winner I, I wouldn't dismiss any of 
uh, this horse or Ben Pauling's horse to be perfectly honest they they galloped all the way to the line it was it was a good good performance I uh, I'd be interested to see how they progress I expect them to progress further they'll have to but I expect them to do so He's by Jeremy and we always like seeing Jeremy's over hurdles is there any fear in the back of your mind that his wins have come at Kempton and Haydock from three he's been beaten at Newbury um that maybe a flat track would suit him better? Hasn't crossed my mind um, until he goes to an undulating track and underperforms, uh, perhaps. But look, he went to Aintree last year off the back of one in, in that grade two bumper there and completely ran uh, terribly. So it, it's it, he's still a horse that's under the radar. He's probably justifiably a big price and he's not as fancy as a an angel's breath because Nicky Henderson hasn't been as as confident in him it hasn't been telling the public that he's confident in him anyway but uh, look he's only he can only do what he's done uh, he was beaten his first start over hurdles but has progressed every run since and what's most uh, important with these novices is that he's after getting three runs over hurdles this year he's not going to go to the supreme off the back of one or two runs he's getting valuable experience and we've seen this year with the ground a lot of horses can't run and they're going to end up going to Cheltenham unfurnished and perhaps run unprofessionally because they don't have the usual couple of runs under their belt um, whether it be novice chasing or novice hurdling um, but in the novice division the experience is going to be imperative um, and this horse is, is getting it Well said Jane Mangan Kevin the bookmaker reaction afterwards was to cut him to 10 to 1 for the Supreme Novices Hurdle is that about right for you? Um, it probably is I don't know how much we learned about him here um, bright forecast as a horse I was kind of lukewarm on coming in and he did a couple of things wrong himself he ran right off the bend away from the stands um, uh, which wouldn't have helped his chance so look Mr Fisher did his job there was nothing to do with Mr Fisher um, he, he settled he jumped it's a little mistake at the second last but was well on top um, didn't do anything to say he can't be top class but didn't necessarily jump out at me and say, right, you're, you're a supreme horse. So we'll, we'll wait and see with him. Um, I know that Jane, Jane made an interesting point there about um, about the half-brother selling for 90 grand last year. I just looked it up quickly uh, as you were speaking there, Jane, with Scorpion. Um, and we know that Scorpions wouldn't necessarily be the height of fashion for the last couple of years, given that they have a, a bit of a mixed reputation. And he was actually the the most expensive three-year-old by Scorpion to sell um, since 2012, which was Scorpion's first batch of three-year-olds. Um, they av- his three-year-olds last year averaged about 16 grand, and um, he made 90. So, um, as well as the the, I'm sure Nicky was very interested in the half brother as well. But he, I assume he must have been a quite a nice horse as well to go with it. So that's that's quite interesting. We'll keep an eye out for him. Well, when you think and about as, the fact, when you think about the fact that Tellers Moore cost two hundred and was it two hundred and sixty thousand pounds? <laughs> God, people learned a lesson with Scorpion, didn't they? I think I think he's a grand sire. Like he gets lots of stick. I, I think they generally need better ground. Um, he's a son of Monju. They kind of have little little head issues like a lot of that Monju line. I actually don't mind him. I think he's got a hard a bit of a hard deal, but um, such is the nature of the game. But also, Miss Mangan, I think you're being too modest here. You did. I don't unless uh, I, I'm thinking along the wrong lines here. But did Team Mangan breed Mister Fisher's dam? Yeah, you would be correct. No, no. Look, uh, I agree. I think scorpions have loads of ability. 
the thing is to get it out of them. Um, mm. But I suppose it's better to have it to get it than to not have it and still try and get it. Um, the the it was interesting. Henderson and John Joe O'Neill got into a bidding war with that horse, and that's why ah. he made so much money. Um, but it is always you'd always um, if you're at the sales and you don't have any particular uh, horse for sale yourself or aren't buying anything. But if you if you look at some of these trainers and what they buy and if they happen to have a sibling like it's it's bang on the money there they're obviously in love with the sibling it's it's mm. not you don't just go to the sales and say oh sure i have the brother i may as well buy another one like if the yeah. brother or the sister isn't pleasing you you're not going to touch the sibling no matter how good looking it is yeah, yeah. and it's, it's just interesting on the the scorpion slash monju thing as well because i've talked about um talked a lot to trainers and um, you know, pin hookers and that about various sons and daughters of Montju and, and and granddaughters and sons of Montju as well over the years. And like I think they had they'd have this reputation of being very tricky, but I think um from talking to an awful lot of people about them, a, a lot of it is just they need mental stimulation. You know, they don't necessarily thrive on routine. You know, most horses you go out and do the same thing with them most days, they're actually quite happy and comfortable in their routine. But I think that Montju line, it's a generalization now, of course, it, not every horse will fit the bill, but um, I think a lot of them, they need, you need to change things with them, you need to do things with them, do different things, give them a different, change things up to keep them mentally where you want them. Uh, they're, they're, they're a very interesting breed. Uh, I think, to be fair, Camelot is probably going to be the savior of the line in a flat context because most of his sons that were given opportunities to be flat stallions didn't work out. Um, you could call Motivator a, a borderline exception, but I think Camelot is going to be the only one that's going to be you know, an expensive commercial sire of his going forward, uh, which, is, which is interesting. You know, for, for a sire that was so good that it's so many Derby winners and his daughters are doing very well as, as broodmare sires as well. Um, it's just interesting that Camelot probably all his eggs on the flatter in one one basket with Camelot now. Yeah, I mean, as a sire of sires, it's Camelot, and and that's essentially it. Um, just well, with- uh, you know, as he's clearly clearly going to go on to have a, a huge influence for a long time on the national hunt sphere, but mm. um, it, it might well a lot of those lines will come to an end, um, you know, in in the fullness of time. Just with the line back to what you were saying about Altior and how unique it is for us to win 17 on the trot, Hurricane Fly was by Monju. Uh, famously remember Philip Hobbs saying, oh, he's no chance at Cheltenham, I'm sure he's a Monju. They don't, they can't get up the hill. The thing with Monju and why he's so good over jumps is they're so tough. They're yeah. so durable. Um, and it's partly because their mental, as, as Kevin has alluded to, their mental state, they are iron horses. Yeah. Um, and that is why they jump fences and you you need a certain if a horse is tremendously straightforward over chumps chances are they're going to have uh, they're just not going to be tough enough um, and I think with Hurricane Fly when you see him line, landing over the back of the last hurdle whether it be a Leopardstown or Cheltenham his ears used to be pinned back mm. and his, his nose would be as far forward as it would go he just really didn't want to lose and there's a lot of Manju sires on the National Hunt circuit and I think for our generation Manju will be the biggest positive influence on the breed and yes as Kevin said it will probably die off 
but hopefully people will wake up in time to realize that we can't leave a die off and i th- think it'll it'll um it'll 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 be an experiment down the line we'll see how it works isn't it odd that manju coming from the saddler's wells line can produce these terrific jumpers yet galileo just Carrington was saying the other day i'd never put super sunday over a fence because i've never seen a galileo that can jump a fence yeah, but see, Super Sunday's flat bread. He's a flat pedigree. True. Um, a lot of these manjus are bred to flat or national hunt mares. I think Galileo is a certainty to work. You don't be champion sire without mm. working in every spectrum. Soldier Fortune is already showing signs that he will work, and there's enough sun standing at stud that that will work too. Um, they just need to cover proper national hunt mares. Yeah, mm. that's not going to happen. Imagine ringing up with the national hunt mare. Hello, hello, John. I'm bringing a national hunt mare to you. You're not. Well, uh, isn't isn't any uh, power in fold, Galileo? Oh, she is actually. Well done, oh, Kevin Blake. Well done. Then again, Annie Power was a freak and a complete exception. Uh, over at Ascot, meanwhile, Nicky Anderson had another one of these talented novice hurdlers, Downtown Getaway, getting the job done in the uh, 4.05, the final race. It was over two mile five. Looks like a potato race horse. I was asked over the weekend, what does the potato race mean? You've mentioned it several times in the podcast, you and Kevin. What are you referring to? <laughs> we are referring to the Albert Bartlett. Albert Bartlett make potatoes. They also make crisps. Our Irish love spuds. So it's the potato race. Uh, the three-mile novice hurdle in downtown getaway looks proper stare and will probably be going for the potato race. Um, Kevin, the Peter Marshall was won by Wakanda. Uh, fine run from Robinsforth, who Rory put up on the podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Where in the world is Wakanda, Kevin? Oh, no idea. I'll give you a clue. It's a third world country. It's known, no for, idea. It's known for textiles, shepherds, cool outfits. Known for shepherds. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Wakanda forever! Black Panther. <laughs> no idea. Is that a Marvel? Yes! Right? You absolute scumbag. <laughs> Get off the line. We banned Marvel references. No, 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 no. You might have. By popular, by popular demand. You might have, but Rishi Prasad and I did not at all. Absolutely, we did not. Uh, ten years of age, we, Wakanda we, we, is. We, we, could, uh, we could conduct one of our famous final furlong listener polls on this issue. Doesn't matter. Like. It's irrelevant. And I'll tell you why it's irrelevant. Because <laughs> it Black is, Panther... It is, it is irrelevant. Black Panther has become nominated for not a, seven oh, Academy Awards, stop. including Best Picture. So go Wakanda, watch it. Ten-year-old. Ten yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So, <laughs> move, so, move on, move on. So Wakanda's <laughs> ten. Uh, obviously, whoever named him is a huge, big comic book fan. And uh, congratulations. Uh, Wakanda forever. We won't be backing you anytime soon, though, Wakanda. Uh, Magic of Light. Good piece of placing from Just Garrington. Wins the OLBG.com Mayor's Hurdle, grade two. Had one over fences prior to that at Newbury, but got the job done back to hurdles. Can she progress further than this, Jane? Look, she was very good. I thought Jessica uh, placed her very well back over hurdles, having been impressive over fences in the last day. Sometimes, if she had uh, if she had come up against uh, Camelia Decotte, say for instance in in, in Thurles, I don't I wouldn't expect her to beat her. So Jessica has been as wise as you'd expect her to be, and has found two beautiful black type races for her in England. Um, she's done everything. Like you travel through the race, but the the best part of this mare is the final furlong. Um, typical of a Flemingsford, she just stays all day, 
and get stronger towards the line. If you say run is a small bit disappointing, but you know what? Going right-handed doesn't suit her whatsoever. Everybody knows she hangs to the left and she doesn't help anybody's cause. She was given a good ride by Harry Cobden down the rail, put to sleep and still did everything wrong up the straight. Uh, Jester Jet ran on for second, but magic of light, she's probably a solid graded mare without being top class. Um, would exact, actually, when, when she ran in the, in the Troy Town in Navan, and she stayed on so well I thought maybe there was a big handicap in her but now the, that she's gone on and done what she's done in graded races the handicapper will be all over her so she's done a she's done a good thing if she retires at the end of the year she'll be she'll have done a, a, a good thing to, for her connections and uh, Jessica Harrington she's just she keeps in the flatter jumps she's just the woman to be on your side absolute genius she's staying in the UK for the week she'll be running on Friday at Huntington um, there is the pretense Lady Protectress Mayor's Chase. That's quite the name. But I did quite like Kate Harrington's quote afterwards saying, Magic of Light got hammered by the handicapper so couldn't go for the Thursdays. But she could go for the Irish Grand National. Is that something that would interest you, Kev? Um, I don't know. Like, to be honest, I was quite impressed with her here. You know, I thought her jumping was excellent considering her profile, you know, reverting to hurdles from fences. And um, do you know what I do? And maybe she's on, maybe she's on, I suppose it's hard to know what the future will hold for in terms of if, if, she, if it was me or Jane that owned her, we'd be thinking about the cover and shed, I'm sure. But she's owned by, by the Pats Trust. And I believe the instructions there to race until their, until their racing days are done and, um, and sell. So maybe they'll continue racing her for a bit longer than one would expect. Uh, you know what? I wouldn't be against trying to make her into a mayor's hurdle uh, candidate. Yeah, why not? I, I, I thought she jumped really well here. I thought she she clearly does stay well, but I don't think she's slow either. And um, she's like this was a good performance. She's she'll be up near enough one fifty probably. Well, she's probably still going to be high one forties after this. And it's it's I know you know that's a long way. You should need to come up a long way to beat an apple's jade, but. Um, it just might not be the worst shout in the world. I'm a little bit surprised they're leaving her over there to go to Huntington, or certainly that was their intention uh, after she won on Saturday. You look at the entries, and it doesn't look like a soft touch now for a for a listed mare's chase. It does not look a soft touch. It's a good, it's a it's a very good pot, seventy five grand. But um, it'll be interesting to see if they go there. Uh, but yeah, I just I wouldn't be a shock to me now if. if if she could be capable of, of running up to her best there around two and a half at Cheltenham. Okay. Are you thinking, you're thinking Mayor's Hurdle, would it be completely outlandish to think Gaintree National? Because I think she is a better mayor on fences and you're going to need to have a massive high mark to get into an Gaintree National nowadays. It's, it's like contested by multiple grade one horses. If she took to the fences, she would stay all day. Yeah, she definitely get in off her mark. That's a certainty. One fifty would would get her in every day. Um, there has well, eight year old mare. Well, I remember there's some stats doing the rounds last year with Bayless E. Like there's been very few mares have I've had a, even had a crack at it in recent years. Mm. But, I'm, um, I'm I'm banking on Miss Parfois to reappear and go there, but uh, we haven't seen her much this year, so yes, yeah, so something needs to break the mold. <laughs> Well, one thing's for certain is she's got loads of options because she's, uh, like I say, I was really impressed with how she adapted back to hurdles here. So they can do whatever they want with her. And like Jane says, geez, you wouldn't have a, 
you wouldn't have fancied her have been a 150 mare there you know not much more than a year ago she looked like she was stuck in the mud a bit um, when she went over fences but um, Jesus yeah what, what a transformation Absolutely. Uh, we'll move on to the three o'clock, the Bet365 handicap chase. Just the 21 length win for surname. Absolutely bolted up, narrowly beaten in novice company at grade one and grade two level last season. Um, I suspect this is the end of his handicap days after this performance and off to the Reiner. Before we were recording off air, Jane, you were saying I'm not particularly interested in the handicap chase in the UK because they all just beat each other and if you run the race again it'll be a different result. But I suspect Surname would win this if you ran it 10 times in a row. Yeah, as I said to you, the with the exception of Surname, uh, because a lot of these handicappers, like they are what they are, and the handicapper penalizes them, and then they have to run a couple of moderate races to get down to a winnable mark. Um, Dude, Dude for the Village is actually a, a perfect example. He finishes the 21 length second to surname here. We actually point pointed him, and I, I, I just remember thinking he he was he was a yardstick without being a, a tremendously talented horse. He's ended up 140. Uh, so fair play to to Paul Henderson. He's done a great job with him. But he'll win a race every season hmm. in and around the 130 mark. Now he's he's off 140 now. I honestly can't see him winning off 140 until he drops down a few pounds again and then he'll win again. Do you know, that's just the nature of these handicaps. You see Gary Moore there. He has, um, oh, what's the name of the handicap? Benatar. Benatar. Like, Benatar is a horse I fancy nearly every day he runs, and he'll run a good race. And for running a good race every day he runs, he never gets dropped a pound. So yet, he's actually hasn't won a race in a very long time. So, it, it, look, it's, this, this horse is, a, in, in these big handicaps, if you have grade one form, especially recent grade one form, you're going to be able to burden the weight. And this horse was obviously, he ran Silly Isles last year. He ran Terrafort to half length or a neck even. So he was always uh, destined for probably better than a handicap. And after getting 15 pounds from the handicapper, as you say, Emmett, I suggest he, he won't be doing that for much longer. Yeah. Um, it was it was a brave ride by Harry Cobden. He, he obviously felt very comfortable going at that pace Nobody else felt comfortable going that pace. And it looked like halfway down the back straight, it was going to take a savage performance to stay going. But it was a savage performance. Um, like, nothing against Mr. Whitaker, but, you know, he he really needs to find himself if he's going to do what he did last year at Cheltenham. I don't see it happening for him. Flying Angel is a grade one horse of past. Uh, Benatar ran below par. Happy Diva is a good mare, but uh, this fellow was class apart. A completely different grade. You have to go back to December 2017 for Benatar's last success. Handicapper, take note. Uh, the talk afterwards, Kevin, was that surname would come back to Ascot for the grade one Ascot chase. I'm pretty certain that's where Frodon is supposed to go as well. And that means that both could be going for the Ryanair. He's been given a price of just 10 to 1 for the Ryanair chase. Does that just tell you all you need to know about the Ryanair? Um... I wouldn't say that. Look, this was a good performance. I'd say he's a horse that, you know, Paul Nichols is on the record as saying they always hoped he'd be a grade one horse, but he just didn't put it all together. I think he's a horse that probably needs things to go right for him. And um, he got into a lovely rhythm. I think he needs to go this way around. 
and um, getting into the rhythm was the thing and, and the race was over um, a fair way out it was a big performance but look again perhaps another example of a, of a highly weighted horse winning a valuable handicap in, in Britain he's now going to he's been given £15 his life is going to be very different from here on and a little bit like Frodo perhaps with this being a more extreme example um, I just think it's a big difference between winning um, a good handicap of a high weight and going into grade one company. I think it's a leap that the majority will fail to make. And um, I'd be worried for him now. I think life will be difficult for him after this. But this was a, a big day, a big performance. And just with regard to Benatar, um, I've mentioned this on the pod a number of times, but I might just start the campaign officially here. The Please Gary Moore run Benatar in the Grand Annual campaign. Um, I'd love to see it, genuinely. Um, he's never run a shorter than two mile three. He runs away with his rider pretty much every race. Um, I just think he'd be a lot more comfortable at, proper, at a proper two mile gallop in front of him. And um, I'd love to see it. Like Jane said, maybe more than anything, he just needs a little bit of relief from the handicapper. Um, I don't know if he, this run was too bad to be true he might not get too much relief for it but um, I'd love to see him run in the Grand Annual he may not be well handicapped enough to win it but I think that the, that set of circumstances will suit him very well and I'd be really interested to see, to see him given a go but given that they ran him over three miles on his penultimate start I, it, it looks like they're thinking in a very different way to me but um, it's something I'd love to see um, while he's still uh, in, in his prime if you will well, it would be nice because he was running in grade one company behind Shattered Love last time, but Kenboy obviously has come out and, and franked that form fairly well, although Shattered Love is only doing all right, but that'd be, that'd be interesting, Kevin. The, the get-out stakes, final day of Cheltenham, and we're lumping on Benatar as the long-term plan in the Grand Annual to get us out of, of trouble from Cheltenham. Um, if, if we're starting any campaign, could I just uh, add in, you know when a horse wins the Aintree Grand National, does it have to be that they can never win another race? Because the <laughs> that's, handicapper, that's the, rule. the handicapper uh, loves to slaughter these household names, and we love the race. It's the most bet on race during the year. It's the most popular race. It's the race everybody, even outside of racing, people know the Grand National. So why do we feel the need to absolutely harass these horses, having put in the performance of their lives over four and a half miles? And then just say, right, there's a stone wait for you to carry next year. You'll never win another race. Well, Jane, I love Hopefully. that comment. I love that comment. But this is this is the thing. What you need is not necessarily a campaign on social media. What you need is a special equine talent who can come out and give the two fingers to the handicapper and prove that they are better, that they are a name that now transcends the game. And we have the right horse for that. And we have a horse who will go to the Cheltenham Festival this year and will Tiger win Roll, the yeah. cross-country chase again. But he, he's Tiger not going to run in the handicap, you see. He, no, he, no, no, he's forget it. He's going to go back to Aintree then, hopefully, um, and have a welter burden of near top weight. Like, I was just watching one for Arthur, and I know his he's jumping was inadequate and he needs to sort that out obviously but he was completely never traveling mm. never looking like he was going to get involved and when you have horses like Neptune Clange Aurora's Encore Ballet Briggs like they're good horses but at the same time they're they're not they're not going to carry 12 stone like Red Rum did and and go back four years later or three years later and do it you know, it's, it's just it's 
beyond me that the handicapper cannot see that not only can these horses not go back and win a national, but they can't win any description of a race after they win the Grand National. Well, you, you, there's definitely a case to be made, I suppose, that the Grand National is such a unique race that, and so unorthodox, really, compared to other handicap chases that the, those horses would be running in, that there's a case to be made that the handicapper shouldn't obviously not ignore it, but certainly take a very conservative view of it in terms of as a piece of form that he bases his marks on and, and perhaps go very, very easy on the likes of a, those that compete in the finish of a Grand National um, for, you know, the following season. But, I sp- you know, I don't think anyone would knock them for giving them a few extra pounds of entry factor, which was kind of the, the done thing there for a while, wasn't it? Um, when, when coming up with the weights for the Grand National. But uh, I think it's logical. Like, I, I don't think those horses should be really heavily penalised for winning a race as, as odd as the entry national uh, for when they go back into orthodox handicap chases. I think that there's, a, there's a fair bit of sense in that to me. It's 100%. And particularly when you look at... Like, Pleasant Company isn't exactly the most reliable horse in, in the world, Kevin. And yet he got within an inch, less than an inch, of winning a Grand National. And if well, you- I, I, I suppose the other thing you have to say is that while the record of international winners after the international isn't great. Maybe it's one of those kind of self-fulfilling prophecies in that if you win an entry around national, your trainer and connections are more than likely going to revolve your whole season around getting back there again. And they might not necessarily be too worried if you win or if if you win or lose in, in a few runs leading up to it, just that you get to entry in tip top four. And then it's highly unlikely that you're going to win it again, just because of the very nature of the race. You can be yeah. taken out by anything. Yeah, yeah. Is it also possible that if you win the Grand National, your connections will just lower you, like they'll they will let you down and and let you rest, and maybe you're not fired up until Aintree. Whereas if you're second or third, those horses do come out and win afterwards, and connections are more inclined to go. Ah, yeah, we'll we'll go for it. But like, if you you can win a Scottish Grand National and win again, you can win an Irish Grand National and win again. You can win a Welsh Grand National and go and win a Gold Cup. So it, it's a really good point that Jane makes. Why is that the race that you get killed for winning? Yeah, I just I just remember from our own experience. Um, uh, my parents campaign Monty's Pass over hurdles for his. Uh, second and third attempt and he finished fourth the following year off near top weight um, now well beaten fourth uh, but like Kevin said he loved uh, entry and it it just brought out the best in him but it wasn't nice to see him when he went back uh, the third year and now he was he was 12 but um, he hadn't been given any real reprieve by the handicapper uh, for having not performed to high standard in two years and uh, he was literally just chucking around to complete um, I think that's just a waste of time for everybody you know now he, was t- he was still 10 pounds higher in his for his third Grand National than he was when winning it the first time 10 pounds yeah. as a 12 year old having not done anything in two years he did, he did next to nothing bar the distant fourth in the, the, the National the year before his second year we'll call it beating 34 lengths Mm. and just horses like Mon Moam Aurora's Encore Pino de Rey like going into the race like they weren't champions going into the race they're not going to be champions after it no mm. you know they obviously loved the fences really took they came into their own in that sphere 
but be under no illusion they're not 10 pounds or a stone better after it yeah but it's also anyway we very... better move on or else this podcast will be two hours long <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a short one for us. Uh, th- there is the, the point as well, though, Kevin, that you've made that they've decided for some reason, or at least Phil Smith decided for some reason, to turn the the biggest handicap in British racing into a race to attract grade one contenders. So it's like another Gold Cup just over a little bit further and worth a load of money and the whole thing well, when, when you put up a million quid for a race you're, you're likely to get tip top horses you know but uh, it'll be interesting to see what the nationals like this year it'll be the first one in a long time that, that Phil Smith isn't personally responsible for so it, it'll be fascinating a serious point it'll be fascinating to see if there's any discernible difference in how the race is handicapped what's the name of the UK handicapper um, Dominic Gardner Hill couldn't think of it but yeah I always knew about Phil you never, you never didn't know his. I wonder will will Dominic give a PowerPoint presentation and a long speech before the unveiling of the weights for the Grand National? <laughs> we'll see. Enjoy your retirement. Sir. Yeah, that that was one of my one of my favourite quotes was um, Mick O'Leary. One of the years he was complaining about the weights. He said it's the it's, it's the John Smith's Grand National, not the Phil Smith Grand National. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a cracker. And he pulled Don Poli, wasn't it? He would have won that year. Oh no! <laughs> I think it might have been even earlier than that. I think oh, it was God. highly. Uh, you want, want to mix better ones? <laughs> yeah. Um, Jerry's back got beaten at Haydock by a horse twenty pounds, his inferior in the novices chase. He could be really interesting for a handicap at Cheltenham. Who said that? Who said that? Oh jeez, I don't know. I don't know. I tell you, the winner. I know. Again, man, we've we've talked about this phenomenon um, many times in the pod. That when you get a massive upset like this and a horse wins at a massive price, nobody really wants to believe it. Uh, and look, don't you, you'd be a while there trying to come up with a logical reason why uh, Castafiore has improved as much as she, as she seemingly has. But she's a six-year-old mare. Like it, it's not beyond the realms. Like she, it was only her third run over fences and she'd been very good at Wincanton the time before. She just could be a very good mare over now that she's gone chasing uh, as, a, as a daughter of street cry. That used to be a good alphan horse. In, Dubai in World Cup winner. Yeah, it's a bit of an unusual one, but it, it, I wouldn't like to rule out the possibility that this is somewhat real. And uh, I suspect she'll be underestimated by the market the next time she she turns up, um, because most people won't want to believe this. But mm. like Jerry's back, ran his race, like his jumping. I, I see some of the race readers have knocked his jumping. I thought his jumping was fine in the main, and uh, he'd absolutely every chance. And Barry Garrity seemed very happy coming down to the second last, but he just couldn't get to this mare. And uh, I wouldn't like to rule out the possibility. And you know they're they're well clear of the the two. Like two proper form horses so I just wouldn't like to rule out the possibility that she's jumped out of the ground for, for some reason and really improved her fences and to be fair so, uh, the, the horse she beat at Wing Canton is Little Miss Poet who absolutely bolted up at Ludlow in her next start so it could just be a case of that her form has completely transformed yeah I'd watch her next start with interest mm. now Hmm, interesting one, Kevin Blake. Very interesting indeed. Uh, but Jerry's back. Maybe not. Maybe not in terms of getting on uh, for the, the handicaps. Brief one, the Charles Burns experiment did not work this time. Those days are gone. was fairly well held. But ring the klaxon for Rory Delargy because he put up the winner at um, 
on the Final Four podcast on Thursday, Balmoy. So hopefully you were on Tom Bellamy's mount. Those days are gone, Kev. What did you make of his performance? Um, he might have another day. He might have another day. Um, it might have just come a little bit quick. Was was what I felt coming away from it. It was just a week after he, he bolted up at Weatherby, and such was the impression he created there. I definitely give him another chance. Okay, a late non-runner from Thurless on Sunday uh, was invitation only. There is a lot of talk from Cool Sutton that they are supporting Paul Townend for the Jockeys Championship. That's why he was on Camille Decott. Yet Ruby Walsh took over on Total Recall. What did you make of that, Jane? Yeah, the, the, the narratives don't really add up, do they? Well, well, that doesn't. That doesn't. Jane, what was your assessment of that? Oh well, look, Ruby's still number one, lads. Yeah, but we're uh, back in him. We're to... back in him for for champion jockey. Nah. Oh, I I I'd say um, when Ruby when Ruby Walsh is will, uh, willing and able to ride, you're not going to not put him up on a potential uh, gold cup Ryanair standard horse. So yeah, I could totally see why they did that. Um, look, this was a an interesting race, obviously as we keep saying it was so uncharacteristic for the ground to be so quick and sub-lieutenant loved it out in front um, I was in Tremore when he tried to do the same in that mini gold cup that uh, album photo won and he never travelled the yard so he was a different horse he was a transformed horse on Saturday or on Sunday uh, JJ Slevin got a great tune out of him and Sean Flanagan was off the bridle a long way out and he banked the fence at the top of the back straight really didn't help his chances but full credit to the horse like he's still only a six-year-old he he was on his head a long way out and he grounded out down the hill in Turles to catch a well-seasoned campaigner obviously he's going to have to improve an awful lot if he does go the Ryanair I presume he'll probably go the Ryanair route he's he's going to have to step up an awful lot but um there's a lot to like about him. He's a great attitude and uh, Noel Mead horses are absolutely flying at the moment. So look, he uh, he could do no more than win. It wasn't impressive. Total Recall is a disappointing horse this year having been a Hennessy winner last year. Mm. Uh, but this, um, this horse is on an upward curve and he had to do it the hard way. He, he, he's probably a horse, realistically in my book, will probably fall short of grade one class. But he's rated 150. He'll go up a bit for this. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. I was sorry for sub-lieutenant that he got beaten. 49 and 46 lengths has been beaten in his last two runs. But he's got very smart form in the book. And it's nice to see him come back to something like his best. Um, we'll deal with Willie Mullinsworth in a little bit more detail in a second, Jane, because I'd like your views on that. But in terms of 2A per me... Like, this is a grade two victory for him. He's won a Troy Town. He seems to have improved an awful lot since that transfer from Maus Morris. Was it stamina that won the race for him, do you think? Or was it a, a case of that this is his optimum trip? It just took him a while for the penny to drop. Well, he, he showed his liking for a bit of mud when he won in Navin. And I actually, look, I think Maus Morris, he, he, had him as, he campaigned him as a four-year-old and he had to campaign him heavily. Because I know Michael and Eddie O'Leary, they, they like their horses running. If they're healthy and they're fit and they're well, run. So it, uh, it probably went against everything Mouse Morris believes in to run him uh, so often as a young horse. Um, 
it just so happened that he racked up loads of experience, uh, performed well early, uh, but lost his form and kept running. So he had an attractive handicap mark by the time Noel Mead inherited him as such. So uh, I actually would say, Mouse Morris, um, you educated his horse and and you gave him his grounding. And and Noel Mead is really reaping the rewards. in short, sub-lieutenant's rated 157. This horse is rated 150 coming into the race, so it's an improved performance. How high he'll go, we don't know, but he's only six, and I'm not going to say anything against the horse because they make fools of you, and with an attitude as genuine as his, who knows how good he could be. Kev, you were a big fan of this horse leading up to the race. You put him up for it as well, and at the time, he was a reasonably attractive price. He was second favourite. Uh, what was your take on 2A per me? It was likeable. Look, bare form. He's received three pounds off sub lieutenant and only beaten him by a short head. So it's not a spectacular piece of form. But uh, when you watch it, you know, that mistake at the fourth last, what, what would normally be the fifth last, was just came at a terrible time. Um, you know, you're climbing there at Thurlis and it's just, it's a horrible place because you don't, you don't want them to ask them to, re- to remake up that ground too quickly when you're climbing. Um, and it just put him on the back foot a bit with a, with a good horse in front of him that had had the run of it um, under JJ. And he just did a big job to get him back because Thurlis is a, on that ground is, is a speedy enough track and two and a half is as short as he wants to go. So... <clears throat> I don't think he probably did more in winning Detroit Town than he did in winning this but um, I'd expect him to come forward again back at three miles uh, you know he's only a six year old what do you do with him uh, do you look after him for this season or do you throw him into the Wolves in the Gold Cup and see what happens tricky decision but um, Gignestown will have plenty of options they might give him a um, the safer option, if you will, and running the Ryanair with a view to maybe trying to make him a Gold Cup horse next season but ultimately he needs to bring his form forward to get there but I wouldn't rule out the possibility um, and a very quick word on Total Recall um, he, he's never been a convincing jump over a fence for me he's chancy and uh, can be, be can be a bit careless and obviously nearly came down to the last here uh, you know since he, he won the Labrooks Trophy they've given him his chance to, to step up to the next level he hasn't managed to do so I just wonder uh, would, would they go back over hurdles with him uh, he's an interesting horse over hurdles. The last time we saw him was at the Dublin Racing Festival mm. last year where he put up a remarkable performance where he pulled like an absolute Mustang the whole way and still managed to win. Um, you know, albeit off a mark of 125, we, know, we now know he's a 156 horse over fences. So you you should be winning in those circumstances. But geez, the way he pulled, he looked to have no right to win. So um, in a staying hurdle division that's windy, as we keep saying, um, I just wouldn't be I wouldn't be against going down that route with him and seeing what happens because I, I don't think he can win a gold cup I'd be pretty certain of that um, so what do you do do you dip around there in, in lesser graded races and try to win one like he has been or do you give him a go at maybe coming up and winning a couple of nice races over hurdles um, if he's mine it'd be the smaller obstacles if he was going to go for hurdles what would you go for it's probably too late to try and qualify for attempts now Probably too late. Well, not necessarily. There's one about the, the next one is at Punchestown there in a few weeks off the top of my head. So uh, he wouldn't be too high for that. I don't think he'd be up. Uh, he'd be probably up around 150 um, in England. Um, it, it might be the worst shout in the world. You know, he, do, he doesn't necessarily have to go three miles. He could run in the Coral Cup. Mm. Uh, it'd be an interesting option for him now. 
Uh, you just get the feeling he, that, that the three miles would really suit him. I don't know. You know, he can't take a fair grip, so I wouldn't be upset going a little bit shorter. But it might be an option worth considering for the team there. Okay, so all chance was gone at the last despite whatever he was going to do. But Jane, again, we were talking off air about Willie Mullins' form. This is becoming more and more worrying. And if you listen to Graham Wiley and uh, the interview that he did with me a couple of months ago, he was talking about just how excited he was about Face the Facts. One of only three horses to run for Willie Mullins over the weekend. And as I was saying to you, he's absolutely cruising and then just all of a sudden starts to tread water and stops. Uh, Camille Decotte obviously has... Camille Decotte, we'll talk about it in, in more detail in a second, and has obviously absolutely bolted up, but only three runners over the weekend, and an awful lot of them are stopping very, very quickly. That's not a good sign. Well, it's not a good sign if you're backing them, but isn't it a great sign for every other trainer and rider in the country? <laughs> <laughs> Getting a chance. Take that, <laughs> Willie Mullins! It's uh, it's uh, it's amazing, Willie Mullins. Like he's just an amazing man, a wonderful trainer. And usually at this stage of the year, we're used to having okay, Willie will win the maiden hurdle and he'll win the beginners chase. Somebody else might win the not to one one six hurdle, but he'll win the bumper as well. So you know that's what we're used to. Um, he's not having any bumper runners. That's notable. Mm. Uh, he hasn't had one blow us away yet. Usually at this stage of the year. He's got two or three that you're thinking, oh, which one will Patrick ride? Um, and they're they're just we're we're not having runners, never mind winners. Um, I think yeah, just looking at the stats here, he's four winners from twenty, four winners from from nineteen runners in the last fourteen fourteen days. The big thing there is he's only had nineteen runners that's in the last fourteen was, days. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that's a huge, yeah. huge uh, circle that and and a massive exclamation mark has to go alongside that yeah so the, just for for me uh, the the eyebrows were really raised when um felix de g absolutely dotted up on that grade two hurdle in punchestown felix de g is is a good horse without being that good you know but build me up buttercup and harry like beaten 30 lengths and 20 lengths respectively you know that's not as good as willie mullins has for a novice hurdle surely mm. um it's it's worrying for them. Yeah, it is. It's just it's it's happening. There's never a good time of year, but this is this is definitely the wrong time of year for anything to be going wrong. Um, we'll watch with great intent, but the thing is with Willie Mullins, and if you are a punter, you can rest assured that he's not going to run a horse if he thinks it's going to not justify itself. Yeah, he's not going to run a horse just for the sake of having numbers. Um, so you can rest assured on that front. But we would like to see. Hopefully, for everybody's sake, um, that that things start, the, t- the tide starts to turn. It's just weird, Kev, isn't it? Like we've spoken about it on the podcast before, but it, it's another weekend, and that statistic that Jane read out: nineteen runners in the last two weeks. That's alarming. Um, we're coming towards the Dublin Racing Festival. There's a competition on the show. Uh, we've got tickets for the Dublin Racing Festival up for grabs. But before we we talk about that, and indeed the Thiestes, which you can see live on RTE with Jane Mangan. Uh, fantastic hey. that RTE are covering that. We'll talk about that briefly in a second as well. But your latest thoughts on Willie Mullins' current status of form? I'm not sure nothing's changed. Really, the concerns are still there. 
and the lack of runners is ground related probably as much as that probably confidence isn't super high in the camp at the minute um, the Dublin Racing Festival is, is what will tell us a lot um, we just there's we had a bit of rainfall in the last couple of days we just need more and hopefully we get a nice sympathetic surface at Leopardstown and we'll get some, uh, some proper evidence into the mix because look Cheltenham is still a little way away there's still plenty of time for Willie to, to work his magic but yeah it's, that's, it's just a very uncertain time at the minute for, for Team Mullins I think we've well, got a proper one in Camellia Decott Kevin um, obviously as race planner to Joseph O'Brien you'll know how good Grey Walters is and she's absolutely destroyed him under Paul Townend yeah look this was this was really nothing great too to be fair um, Grey Waters is probably no better than a 120 filly um, mayor I should say any day of the week and the fact that she's finished second and probably hasn't even run to 120 kind of tells you what you need to know about the quality of the race but um, that's not Camellia's fault uh, she jumped out and did her job her, her jumping wasn't always perfect but she was she was good in the main she's a little, little bit like the, the time before she's a little bit out to her left in places um, I'd say she'd be a little bit more comfortable going left handed but um, she's a talented mare too early to know um, if she's just going to be good or, or potentially very good and we were in a similar spot with the likes of uh, Vroom Vroom Mag before in that it was a while before we found out just how good they were um, hopefully we'll see her up in class um, soon enough I suspect we will and uh, and find out just how, how deep her well is in terms of ability but um, this wasn't a good grade two uh, at all uh, Mary Devy uh, was showing up a bit I'd say that's the last time we'll see her uh, and yeah the rest it was just it was the winner first the rest nowhere really she's entered in the Irish Oracle she's in the Flogas Novices Chase chasing will will stay on the agenda Kevin or is there a possibility that if things don't go to plan with Binny Dudua that she would sub in at the Mayor's Hurdle at Cheltenham um, she's hard to know like she seems to have brought her form uh, very much forward since she's gone over fences uh, she'd be interesting if they switched their back over hurdles especially off of the, the last March she raced off which was 1-2-3 um, she'd look well in off that and I'm sure maybe it's something you know Willie can often pot hunt with these mares and it, it wouldn't be a shock if he did something like that but um, we're going to have to find out at some stage how good she is um, wouldn't wouldn't be a shock if she if she did go back over hurdles that you know there's there's good races for her there um, is this uh, punches down the, the two and a half mile of grade one open mares hurdle mm. um, might be the one potentially to find out over hurdles but yeah we'll, we'll see where she ends up it's, it's very hard to know because she's not having to do a huge amount um, in, in, re, in certainly in this start at least but um, we don't know how deep it is yet with her she has plenty of experience Jane what would you do with her? I would keep her to these mares chases. She's mopping them up. Um, she's typical of what Willie Mullins, he often farms these races and she's probably a solid grade two, grade three mare. Uh, as Kevin alluded to, like she didn't really have to beat much the last day because there isn't much depth in, in the race, these races at the minute uh, because uh, a lot of these mares are in the same camps. The thing is, with trying to predict where she'll go, it's a waste of time because Willie and Rich Ritchie Rich Richie wants runners on the big day and he will want to be represented on the big day. So she will probably turn up where he doesn't have a runner. Um, it wouldn't be beyond the realm that she'll turn up in uh, JLT or something like that because she's perfectly entitled to go there. She 
you know, uh, unless she waits for the the race in Fairy House, uh, I'd I'd like to think that Rich Ritchie will want to be well represented in in Sheltonham, and I could see her going there. I could see her go to the Flow Gas in Leopardstown. She's not straightforward jumping wise, but she's getting better. Because she's getting better because she's going at a pace that she's completely comfortable doing. We're yet to see her be take on, taken off her, her head early in a race. So there's any any number of options you could go with her. Um, and look, she's after winning her last three all black type races. She's gone listed grade three, grade two, grade, one, or grade two. The natural next step is grade one. But uh, the man in charge will know what to do. We shall see if she takes her chance in the JLT. Maybe a handicap over fences, Kevin? Did they give her a close no, brother's handicap? It be a choice? hard ride in a handicap, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. No, I'd say mayor's hurdle, maybe, if anything, but who knows? Who knows with this? Kevin Blake Uccello Conti. This is why I retired to ride in the Hunter's Chasers. I think he's become Mexican, has he? Has he become Mexican? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, great to see you, Cello. Uh, get back to winning ways on the race course. It's been a, a long, long time between drinks from. <laughs> a long time? Uh, Daddy, had he ever won for Gordon? I don't think so. I don't think he's ever won for him. The point. I don't think he has, yeah. He'd, uh, he'd run some super super races down through the years, but um, had found it difficult to win. They'd uh, very much campaigned him as, as an entry national horse, and that, that didn't work out really. Uh, but he won his point to point. He beat a good horse um, in, in his point to point in, in Sydney Paget. Um, and yeah, look, this was this race was up for grabs. I thought coming down to the last. Oh, I'm uh, so I, sorry he, for Anya O'Connor. God, uh, if, if it was Johnny O'Connor, you wouldn't have felt sorry for him. At oh, the I wouldn't care less. <laughs> Johnny O'Connor can hit the deck all he wants. Poor Anya. Yeah, Gwen City Burbass. Uh, Uccello Conti was clearly coming to challenge but Anya had been sitting very very quiet and and silly so I don't know how much she had left we'll never find out but uh, you'd have to be happy for Uccello he, he's mm-hmm. eligible for the, the Fox Hunters at Cheltenham and the Fox Hunters day entry um, with his experience over the fences albeit not the, not the most brilliant of experiences in his last couple of goals um, maybe they'll have one eye on, on the entry Fox Hunter but We'll wait and see. It was good Good to see the old boy get his head in front. Uh, keeping a hunt and chasing, Cheltenham and Aintree, both the plan, apparently, Jane. Would you think he's got the minerals for the Fox Hunters at Cheltenham or would you be looking elsewhere? Um, he's as good as what's around. Stand up and fight is still the horse to beat, uh, but we just, we don't really know how good he is. Um, you do, Usually at this stage of the year, you're just thinking, oh, sure, Enda, uh, uh on the fringe, sure, God. he'll win. Um, so now we're, we're looking for something to step up. Uh, Uccello Conti is, I was actually in Ahabulog when he beat Sidney Paget, and I just wasn't blown away. And I was after speaking to Pat Doyle, who obviously trains the runner-up Sidney Paget, and Pat wasn't expecting great things that day. He said he just needed to get his, his season started, but he he's a, more effective on slower ground. And he only beat him half a length. Um, and obviously in Turles, Anya O'Connor's horse, Gwyn Silly Burbis, was not done with when, when um, they departed at the last. So it's it's uh, very much, I, I, I'm not convinced Ireland has the winner of it yet. I actually was quite taken um, the other day with, um, in Warwick, what was his name? Heat Haze, not Heat Haze. Um, Jeez, Philip Rowley's horse. <laughs> no, not the, not the mayor. Um <laughs> 
Oh, you'll have to help me out here, lads. Philip Rowley's horse, he won by like 10 lengths. What day it could was have this? only been yesterday, Warwick. Well, Warwick yesterday, yeah. Uh, boom, boom, boom. As we all scramble to look it up. Yeah. Hazel, Hazel Hill. Hazel Hill. He won 11 lengths. And uh, if you look close, like, obviously, find a fine form is very hard to take literally. But Shantou Flyer was beaten 22 lengths here. Brandon Hill is a fair yardstick. He was beaten 11 lengths. And this horse absolutely dotted up, having been on a winning streak in his point points in England. He's after winning... Uh, five point of points this year four point of points this year it's uh, we, we often take for granted that we have the best point of pointers over here and thus we will win the Fox Hunters but it's not a given this year it's certainly not um, a foregone conclusion this time around tell me this he couldn't, he couldn't point to point when he was in Ireland I'm just looking at his form here I don't know a thing about the horse but he was in Ar- he was in Ireland for the first uh, for the first few starts of his life from point to point, and he was beating at Drumahan and the He failed places. to win, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Kildare. God, he was getting stuck. You could stick a saddle on Kennedy, and he'd win a point. To I'd point. have a better chance of winning. <laughs> Give this thing to Luke Harvey; it might have some kind of hope. Uh, no, I, I I just was taken by him. He 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 beat like he could only do beat what he what it was put in front of him in war they have nothing he, over there nothing there's nothing to threaten <laughs> us uh, tell me this I'll, I'll tell you Jane I'll, I'll, I'll give you a brief um, 100 chase sidetrack would you and say nothing Kennedy would you have an opinion on burning ambition yes well could, I... he, potentially, could he potentially win a gentleman or no chance I don't think he stays uh, what's necessary Cheltenham I fancy him for Aintree oh I'll take that hey <laughs> you'll, you'll take that that's your anti-post wager is completely dead according to Jane <laughs> I haven't backed him yet haven't backed him ah, yet stop no do you know what actually after he didn't run at the weekend thank god I didn't he went back out to 25s <laughs> what's going on uh, no he didn't he didn't stay last year uh, having like he, he's still a young enough horse and perhaps this year but he didn't stay at all last year so. that's what I was Look, wondering we, we, though Jane that the ground was so soft last year and it'll be different this time around obviously he needs to get a run into him but Jamie will have built up that association having knowing him last year John Magner and the yeah. lads will be coming over for the corporate box come on can I, can I can I give you can I give you some information, Kennedy, about this horse that I didn't give you the last time we spoke about him? Go on. One of Burning Ambition's owner is a owners is a very keen podcast listener. Excellent. And has and has been for quite some time. Excellent. And he will not take kindly at all to you tipping his horse for Cheltenham. No one knew. And then, in that case, I'm going to say this is Ken- a. 10 star max bet for Cheltenham <laughs> get on sorry Ed <laughs> back him to win outright get into the to the secure core safe and get as much as you actually don't there was a guy on Joe Duffy today Jesus Christ um, he was given he was given £5,400 to pay a bill by, by, by family members and he lost every cent of it in the bookmakers and then rang up the bookmakers asking to get it back like it's an accident. Mm-hmm. It's it's a horrific, horrific story, but and then claimed he was not a regular punter. But like, you know, don't gamble responsibly is the moral of the, the story here. Seriously, gamble responsibly and within your means. But stick him in every lucky thirty-one, lucky sixty-seven, lucky sixty-nine. As Blake likes, do them all. Put him in everything. He can't get beaten. 
<laughs> Moving on. That's it. Orti are turning up for the Theastis chase, which I think is fantastic. Uh, I we think this is the first time that Orti have ever covered the Theastis chase at Gorn Park, unless they did it back in nineteen Dickety Doo which they might have, to be fair, and that's one for the final Furlan podcast drinking game. Um, right now, Solomon Grundy heads to betting with invitation only. Some next to Ken Reed, the name escapes me. Jane, you'll be there. Is there anything on your short list currently? Or is it a different oh, well, race really that interests you? I haven't really studied it yet because I, I hate when you study a race and then half the fields that you fancy don't run. So the Happen, declarations... Happens to us, happens to us every week, Jen. <laughs> yeah, the, de- the declarations are tomorrow morning. We'll know an awful lot more then. Uh, obviously, uh, the Thayestes is a massive, like steeped in history and an awful... There's great stories attached to that race. Uh, it's one of the, the handicaps in Ireland that outside of the main festivals that really captures the imagination... But uh, away from that, we have obviously, hopefully, presenting Percy in the Galmai Hurdle race he won last year. And having got a bit of rain, I think eight mils of rain today, it hopefully will be uh, suitable for him to, to start his season. And not only is he in there, but you have a couple of interesting, like Kalul Tavik, Limini, Far Class. You know, he's, if he comes back, he's not going to have a cakewalk like Altior did last weekend. It's It's going to be an interesting day. Hopefully there'll be um, a competitive action that we that justifies the the luster that goes with the cards. And um, look, it, it's great that RT are covering it. I think for the wider audience, uh, any racing uh, that's on terrestrial television is good for racing. And um, hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Yeah, hopefully RT yes. will be popping up more for these because it's just great to see them there. I cannot believe you didn't mention the best horse on that card. Don Poli. How dare you not mention Don Poli in the Galmoy Hurdle? Shocking stuff. I can give you a weather update live from Kilkenny. It's snowing. Nice. Balls. That's not good. We don't want it to be exactly. snowing. Exactly. That's not good at all. This is terrible. Uh, no, let, let, it, let it snow. Let it snow. But then no. it's not snowing. Stop snowing tomorrow. The snow would then melt. And sure, that'll, that'll translate into softer ground. Lovely. Into a bog. And then he can't run at all. Um, ah, oh, that's run that's fine. Say. We'll take a bog. It's supposed to <laughs> snow until, oh, God almighty, until nine o'clock tonight. Great. That's fine. That's It'll right. be melted That's by it. Thursday. Hopefully. Okay, there you go. So uh, a tip from... Competition time. A tip from Jane Mangan. For the Thaisis? Yep. I uh, like general principle. Kevin Blake. He's an Irish national winner and uh, he ran well under Lisa O'Neill in Leopardstown last time. Nicely done. Kevin Blake. I haven't thought about it yet. We'll wait and see the next. All right. Uh, cop she, out. Exa- total Massive cop out. Cop sitting, out. fence sitting. <laughs> Uh, a cop out but also a factual fact Fe- absolute <laughs> fence sitting getting back to the fence sitting days I'll give you the winner of it um, actually general principle probably wins because Jane's better than me and knows an awful lot more and you should listen to her far more than listen to me uh, Kennedy flip flop but I will be backing and have already backed and will continue to back Polly Dam. Oh, Here, he, here's a Utello County down the road, Polydam. Yeah, yeah, Polydam. Polydam is going to one of these days. He's going to pop up in one of these races, oh, and man. I will have 
what is left of my money at that stage on him. Uh, no, Kennedy and, and, and his FOMO approach to backing horses. Just in, <laughs> just in case, lads. Uh, don't back score Mar. We, we've drawn a line through that. But no, I, I quite like Polydam. I think if Woolly runs him, it's interesting. Um, invitation only is too short. I like, I like him, though. Uh, right, so we've got tickets to give away for the Dublin Racing Festival. Two pairs of tickets for the Gold Cup Day, so the Sunday for the Dublin Racing Festival. If you don't have your tickets for Leopardstown yet, now is your opportunity. Uh, we are going to do this under the... So you have to tweet us at Final Furlong Pod, hashtag FFP Comp. And Kevin Blake and Jane were thinking long and hard about how we were going to do this. So what have you come up with? Uh, so basically, in short, give us your favorite Final Furlong podcast moment. Um, something funny ideally the more obscure the better and we'll pick out the ones that made us laugh the most there you go oh I quite like that so a favourite Final Furlong podcast moment that's more obscure the better yeah um, I know one that's going to get and you get extra you get, you, get, you get extra you get bonus points if it's from years and years ago uh, I'm just already thinking about something that had me in absolute stitches and um I won't say it because it'll give it away. Uh, the De Laurentos and Kila will be playing at the Dublin Racing Festival as well. De Laurentos, if you don't know, are mint. They're absolutely brilliant. So they'll be playing after racing uh, on the 2nd and the 3rd. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Jane, you'll be working there for TE? Please, God. Kev, you're going to be heading there? Well, I'll be there. And I'll be there too. Cannot wait for it. Uh, your chance to be there too if you haven't already got your tickets. It is for the Unibet Gold Cup Day, the Sunday of the Dublin Racing Festival. Tweet is your favorite moment from the final Furlong podcast. The most obscure ones will be interesting. We'll have two winners and we will announce them on Thursday, but also on Twitter. And thank you very much to Leopardstown and to Michael Carr from Blue Monkey Promotions uh, for getting in touch with us and giving us yet another competition we very much appreciated. From Jane Mangan. Thank you for having me. As always, from Kevin Blake. Good luck. God help us, Declan Ricks returns on Thursday. I don't know what's good. The script will just go flying out the window as it always does. Rixie's here with bags full of winners on Thursday. We'll be recording a little bit later because we all want to see the Thiestes. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Thanks very much for all the kind words on social media. Have a great week. We'll chat to you on Thursday. God bless. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.